Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello. Hello. When you arrived tonight, you said you caught a glimpse of me through the window and you could see my reflection in a mirror. Mm. And you said that my face didn't fill with joy when the doorbell rang. You didn't punch the air and go, she's here, yes. (laughs) You just got up. I internalised it. Did you? What I did do is before I opened the door, and I do this quite often, have you ever seen backstage footage of an actor just before they step out of the wings where they get into character? Mm, mm, mm. I went from being a miserable effer right. to having a big smile on my face in the time it took me to open the door. You, you consciously put that, that smile on your face. But I was pleased, but yeah. I wanted to show that outwardly. Okay, oh dear, is that the stage we're at? You have to tell your face what to do. <laughs> Um, what was it to say about? Went to the cinema last night. What did you see? What did you think of? So? James Bond. Yes, uh-huh. yes. And and. Well, I thought it was uh, it was excellent. Okay. Now you know me. I don't like to express an opinion without being sure that other people largely think the same thing. So did you check what everyone else said first? Uh, it's, it's pretty much had universal five star reviews. Oh well, that, that'll do. But even now saying it on the podcast, and you may have heard just a little hesitancy in my voice. I know some of our listeners, for example, Jack, who listens to the podcast, um, is this huge Bond aficionado. And I haven't checked in on social media what he thinks. Right. And I'm sure we've got other listeners who feel similarly passionately. And Mm. I I wouldn't have minded just doing a quick once around (laughs) what their opinion was before I express my own, because I don't like being out of step. No. just want people to like me. Mm -mm. Yeah, But I I really... uh, I thought it was excellent. And I don't consider myself... Like, I will always see a James Bond film, but I don't consider myself a, a fan in a certain way. Mm, mm. I feel warmly towards it. But um, I don't know why that is, given that I do pretty much see every every time they release one, I'll, I'll see it. And I wonder if I just see too much of myself in him. <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing? I don't understand why you're laughing. Yeah, you just really identify with him. I know that's what it is. Yeah, yeah it's a sort of suaveness... You're talking about Q, right? The uh, <laughs> oh. which one? Q is the gadget one. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe like Q's of yore, not the young, cool, good-looking one that they have now. Right, right. Really? No, I, I mean Bond, of course. Of course. Why? Why do you not think that? Do you not think I'm suave? You're suave in your own sort of clumsy, non-suave way. way. <laughs> sort of clumsy. What about spilling, ruthless? Do you think I'm ruthless? Food? No, you're not ruthless. No. What about, it's uncomfortable if I mention it to you because it will now feel like I'm asking you directly, but I want you to talk about this as, as if you were an impartial ab- observer. Okay. What about sort of like the, the, the raw sexual charisma? <laughs> Why are you laughing more at that than at the suaveness? No, no, no. Or the ruthlessness? I I, I these are questions I can't answer. So it'll be like my dad asking me if I got sex appeal. Mm, like, it's mm, weird. Mm. I think your dad has got quite a lot of sex appeal. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. No, but you know what I mean. You must know what I mean. No, no, it's not something. Does nothing for you. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) Oh dear. Like Bond, uh, yeah. Bond would say that. I'd like. uh, I'd say Bond would would go up to the uh, 
the bar in a pub. He goes to a pub, right, in his in his uh, tuxedo and and says, uh, "Hi, uh, I'd like um, please oh, yeah. uh, a, a, a martini, uh, shaken but not stirred. Thank you." That's his catchphrase. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And then I would say, "Hi, can I have a diet coke? But could I have a slice of orange instead of a slice of lemon? I just prefer it with orange." Very similar. Yeah, you're you quite particular with your drink, how you want it prepared. That is very similar. 007 would say, my name's Bond, James Bond. I would say, yeah, my name's Jeff. No, no, not Jess, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's with a G. Oh, and an O. No, the O comes before the E. Oh, God. Uh, and then it's Lloyd, double L, L, L. Yeah, and then the O comes before the Y. A lot of people, for some reason, put them the wrong way around. I don't know if they think it's Welsh and then then panic. I don't know why that is. Yeah, you got that? Yeah, I suppose it is a lot of consonants when you mention it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then having the in the middle is is quite strange. Yeah, Yeah. I see what you mean, really. Which is a bit like having your own thing every time you have to give your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very... (laughs) I was trying to figure out the first um, James Bond film that I saw, and I think it was Moonraker. At the, I think I've got a memory. Is that a Sean Connery one? Uh, Roger Moore. Oh, okay. At the cinema. And then I looked it up and I would have only been six. Hmm. But in those days, I do feel like you'd go and see all kinds of stuff that perhaps would be boring today's six-year-olds. Because there wasn't really much option. No, and you weren't watching films all the time because, of course, our kids can just watch their favourite film over and over and over again, mm. whereas you know, a film was a rare thing because they weren't on TV very often. Yeah. We didn't have videos at that point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think I remember seeing Moonraker because it was one of the first things I remember seeing at the pictures and then instantly wanting to play it afterwards, you know, being on the way home and saying, I want to play that, I want to play it. You know, like where you, you kind of act it out with mm, like, with your friends or yes, yes. I don't really have friends. And I, mean, I was going to say siblings, but my siblings would have been a bit younger if I was six. So maybe I, maybe I would want to play it with my cuddly toys. Oh. I don't know. It's a shame that leaves you as you get older. It's not like now when I watch an episode of Succession. <laughs> I say to Sarah, oh, can we play it now? <laughs> you be Cousin Greg and I'll be Tom oh. and I'll psychologically torment you. <laughs> I, I mean, I do to... that anyway. Go on. You <laughs> I used to what? love that. Playing Act, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Acting it out. It's brilliant. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Maybe, yeah, maybe you could start some kind of groups where people act out their favourite could be the club. Isn't that Amdram? Well, I guess so, but yeah, maybe. Anyway, I had three things from the cinema just very, very quickly. Okay. Number one, I smuggled in some Froyo because I didn't want to eat cinema ice cream. Naughty. Let me tell you something. That's hard to smuggle, right? I had a bag. Oh, okay. You, you had a lid on it. I'm just thinking. Yes, I yes, like yes. It was yes, an yes open no, one. no, no. It, was, right, it right. had a lid on it. Okay, okay. Put the spoon in my pocket. Yeah. And uh, put the yo-yo, uh, fr- yo-yo, the fro-yo, the frozen yogurt, mm. in the mop of my bag underneath my raincoat. Oh wow, you took it seriously. Yeah, and I was amazing. I was completely unflappable when I went through. I didn't give anything away. No beads of sweat formed on my face or anything. They didn't frisk me. And I thought, I'm so good at this. I now want to try heroin. <laughs> What's the connection? No, no, I don't mean I I want to try. I'm happy with Froyo. That's fine. I'd rather have Froyo than than heroin. I want to try smuggling heroin. Oh, heroin smuggler. Through Through an airport. Yeah, yeah, I think I could do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, number two. Mm -hmm. This is just an observation. Yeah, over time, the films that they show before the film have got more elaborate telling you how to behave in a cinema. And I think that's only because people just don't know how to behave in a cinema anymore and they need it ramming down the throat. So whereas once, like a bad graphic and a, a little bit of a music sting telling you not to smoke was enough, yeah. or a picture of a mobile phone with a red line through it saying no mobile phones mm-hmm. might have been enough at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you've been to cinema, I guess in the last couple of years, there's this huge big production which feels like it's got the budget of a Hollywood film itself with John Boyega 
walking through the world and everybody's heads are in the phones and all this stuff is happening around them, explosions and dramatic things. And he's making the point, how can you really experience something if you're just looking at your phone all the time? So turn it off. It won't just, you know, don't distract other people. Be in the moment. Enjoy the film for two hours. You know, he's saying all this stuff mm-hmm. in booming Dolby stereo. And the amount of people who were looking at their phones while that was playing because it wasn't the film. So they just instantly shut it out and they're just, it's unbelievable. Right. They need to go back to just like the simple image that'll catch the attention. When I spend a lot of time in Sweden, often they would have a person who works in the cinema, usually like a, a nervous 22 year old, come and stand at the front and do a little speech. Oh, wow. That would get the attention, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, just saying, oh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Oh. We're excited if you see the film, but um, we'd like you to remember to turn your phones off. And that did seem to work better. Well, you feel obliged when it's a real person, like when yes. you're in an aeroplane and, yes. they, and they do the safety demonstration. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Third thing. Mm. So These people, so the seats next to us, the cinema was really, really packed, but the seats next to us were empty. And then at the very last minute, in fact, during that thing telling you to switch your phone off, these two people come in. I was going to mention that they're young people, but that's completely gratuitous, I've just realised. Okay. What I've just clocked in myself then is that compulsion that you get when you get older to blame things on the youth. Right, even though they weren't young. Well, they were young, but they, you know their behaviour wasn't particularly relevant. The fact that they were young wasn't relevant. I've oh, seen okay. it from all ages. So, okay. so I've, I've just ch- clocked myself doing that. Right. Okay. Okay. Always trying to resist that urge to, as you get older, like, oh, youth's wasted mm. on the young people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's true. I just think I'm an old fart and becoming an, irre- an irrelevance. That's how the world goes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, uh, so, so these young people uh, come in, and as I say, it was during that mobile phone message, so very last minute. Which I have to say, if you were that late, you're probably a problem, right? Yeah, because they give the film times; they they give you so much margin for error. Huge, yeah. And just generally think, ninety five percent of that of the time. If there's lateness, there's something else going on, which is indicative of some other problem, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so sure enough, they uh, they they come in and they're kind of talking and giggling a little bit, and I'm bracing. I think, okay, here we go, right? And they're doing it through the first five minutes of the film, which is unacceptable but i've been trying to work on my rage in the cinema because you may remember that the only place that i'm ever assertive ever and ever feel a confident mm. in confronting people or conflict or anything is is when shushing people in the cinema to the extent that uh it, it's got unpleasant in a, on a couple of occasions yeah, and, yeah. so i'm trying to curb that impulse a little bit okay. so i set myself the um the the, the little rule in my head it's James Bond films quite often start with a long sequence at the beginning and then go into the titles, the sort of nice animated Bond-style titles. So I, I thought, if they're still doing it by the time the titles have finished, then I'm going to shush them. Okay. And actually, they calmed down. It was fine. Good. But I glanced over a couple of minutes later just to see if they were going to become a problem at any stage. Mm, mm, mm. And she, and she's the one who was sitting next to me, yeah. was sat cross-legged on her chair like she was one of the kids from Fame or something. Yeah. You know, like where a dancer would sit cross-legged. Yeah. And her knee, whilst not nudging up against my froyo, not not touching my froyo, was going up at an angle above it. Her knee was into my airspace. Right. Okay. So, what is the etiquette with that? Can I just clarify one thing? Is yeah. it would it be is it okay just to sit cross-legged if that's more comfortable for you? You, you think no? Okay, because I I, mean, um, I think it's a, I think it's a weird. Be- Do you not think it's a weird behaviour? It's quite comfy though. You you've sat cross-legged in a cinema. Mm. I'm thinking no now because you'd have to take your shoes off, and I think taking your shoes off is wrong. I'm not sure her shoes were off, so I think mm. firstly the, 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 the shoes the, yeah, on the yeah. seat. I've seen people do it on yeah. the, the London Underground as well. Yeah, I'm talking myself yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I have done it. No. Okay, so so her knee coming, was yeah. in your. That's yeah. not so okay. she had this sort of cat-like dancer-like yeah. pose to her, and the knees were that's off. That's not okay. Yeah, but I don't. I didn't. I didn't feel 
confident saying anything. It's hard. I didn't quite know what the uh, what the rule is in that situation mm. because the knee isn't touching me or my seat, but it is in the airspace above my seat. Yeah. So what did you do? Yeah, I just uh, employed the uh, the port protocol and didn't say anything, but. Right. I thought, what, what would James Bond do here in this situation? And he has got that license to kill. <laughs> I wonder if it's applicable to people who invade your personal space in a cinema. It should be. I don't think I'd be good with a license to kill on the basis of that. I think it would be a t- terrible, terrible mistake. Yeah, maybe like a provisional license to kill. Is that they give him a provisional? Get K plates. No, I think, I think that would not be suitable either. <laughs> All right, Annabelle, let's uh, let's hear from Drifters. First one is from Charlotte. 20 years ago, when we were young, fresh and enthusiastic about life, remember those days? David and I were employed as relief managers for a small group of lodges in the Okavango Delta, Botswana. One of the more enjoyable parts of our job involved hosting guests from all around the world, sitting with them at meals and sharing stories over a few glasses of good South African wine. Our lodge chef would usually announce the dinner menu in both English and her local language of Setswana. This allowed the guests to thank her personally and us to enjoy a daily in-joke when she reached the part about the fruit bowl, which was available after dessert, but pronounced it fruit bowl. All ran smoothly until the evening that Cathy the chef was taken ill. Her team ably stepped up to prepare the menu, but none of them felt confident enough to announce the menu. No problem, thought David. I'll take over. And I'm sure the guests will forgive me for missing out on the Setswana version just this once. On the night in question, we were hosting just one large group, some delightful Germans travelling together. After an exciting day of game drives and boat trips, they were looking forward to a hearty dinner and some friendly fireside conversation. The start of that evening was one of my favourites, that popular and delicious chilled soup made with tomato, cucumber, pepper and garlic. My husband stood up, requested everyone's attention and started to read the menu. And for tonight's starter, we have Gestapo soup. (laughs) The room went eerily quiet. (laughs) I hid my face in my napkin whilst urgently gesturing for the waiter to offer everyone some more wine as my husband stumbled his way quickly through roast beef and glazed carrots followed by chocolate pudding. Sadly, there wasn't even a fruit bowl that evening. Oh, that's good. I mean, that is just like a deleted scene from that episode of Faulty Tower. Isn't isn't it? It (laughs) It really is. This is from Anon. Now, this would be a mortifying experience for anyone, but for a drifter, it goes beyond mortifying and out the other side several times over. I've convinced myself there's an afterlife and mine will be forever reliving it on an infinite loop, interspersed with brief periods for me to reflect on how utterly appalling it is. Last summer, when lockdown was partially lifted, I took my sons to a socially distanced circus, which actually sounds quite good for drifters. I spotted a woman there with her daughter who I vaguely knew as our kids were in the same class. I thought it would be only polite to acknowledge her and it would be safe as I could say something non-committal and chit-chatty about the circus. I knew her husband had been poorly recently, but thought I'd seen him back on the school run before the holiday, so I asked after him. I couldn't remember his name at the instant, which was bad enough, but my sense of politeness won over, so I asked her in what I intended to be a thoughtful tone, and how's your husband now? She answered, and I can't believe I'm going to type this, he died, and my fate was sealed. I was momentarily confused as her tone seemed quite bright and breezy. She went on, I thought the teacher would let the class know. Well, they may have done, but trying to get anything sensible from young kids about what happened at school is impossible. I had the feeling of the ground falling away from my feet and must have been gulping air like a fish out of water. I must have garbled some words of how sorry I was, but I was reeling. At one point, I heard myself saying, you joke, but somehow managed to stop myself from completing that spectacularly insensitive and inappropriate comment. Fortunately, she had more composure than me and explained briefly what had happened while I tried to reorientate myself. I knew she didn't drive, so then felt duty-bound to offer her and her daughter a lift home. Despite this meaning, I'd have to endure more of the ultimate awkwardness. She accepted, but only wanted a lift to the nearest town. So it was only about 15 minutes of me having to drive with sweaty hands (laughs) and a white knuckle grip on the steering wheel. 
I don't know how I managed to drive and spend the rest of the day trying to calm down from the stress of it. We're actually quite good acquaintances now as I've given her more lifts and her kids have been on play dates. But as you can imagine, every single interaction brings me out in a cold sweat and forces me to relive it in excruciating (laughs) detail. This episode also highlights another downside of being a drifter. As you would expect, I'm on the periphery of the school run and any school events and certainly don't socialise with any other parents, even online. Perhaps if I had, I would have been more aware of the perilous situation. I'm not sure if this can act as a lesson to other drifters. Maybe I'm just hoping I can dissipate some of the red hot acute discomfort by sharing it (laughs) with like-minded drifters. Uh, And this last one is from Stuart Leatherhead. He says, after hearing Annabelle's do-it-yourself involuntary tick and Jeff's you'll be sorry when I'm dead in a voice, (laughs) I wondered if anybody else had any similar habits to myself. Oh. The first one happens whenever I approach a roundabout close to my work. I always think about a conversation slash argument between two colleagues who at one time, many, many years ago, fell out about which lane you should be in when nearing said roundabout. I wasn't even present at this exchange of views and heard the story third hand of someone else. Yet for close now to 5,000 times, I've thought of those two people every time I drive up to it. And secondly, I cannot put on a duvet cover without saying to myself, ooh, you're a right old Pollyanna, after hearing Anthea Turner say it while demonstrating her duvet putting on technique on some TV programme many, many years ago. Please say it's not just me. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I really like that idea. It's almost like your head is a tape, right? Yes. But once something's on the tape, you can't tape over it. Yes. So there's these things that you do that just get stuck in there. Mm. And every time, every time they get more and more stuck and sometimes things go on top of them. You've definitely said before that you've like you've had this. You've got quite a few of them. I've got you? loads of loads. them. But I mean, I can't bring, bring them to mind at the minute, but I'll try over the course of the next week as I'm going through life just to note a few down. I've got one that immediately springs to mind. Like if ever the topic or if I see or at any time like high heels are a thing, I immediately think of someone once saying to me that they – wore high heels every day for so long that they tried on a pair of trainers and it made their calves ache. And this person, they would have said it like a comment, like just off the bat. And they will not know that I think about that maybe once or twice a day. Just pops in my head. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So weird. Uh, every time I see a calipo, I a think calipo. of you. Ca- ca- I didn't, never know how you say it. A calipo. calipo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oops. Um, <laughs> you, you think about calipers, people have. Yeah, like, I think I you know, have. Polio. <laughs> So the two things aren't related. Um, now I'm going to think of that. But I, I also think of Calippo, right? Calippo, yeah, yeah. That you once told me somebody had told you oh, yeah. it was Spanish? Yeah, Spanish for... for a certain sex act. Yes, and I believe them like for a long time. So I, I can't see a Calippo without thinking of that. Oh, really? And now the fact that I've been pronouncing it the same as calipers for all these years. But, I mean, I, I have hundreds of them. I just mm. think that's... that's um, The weird associations in your yeah. brain. Or, you know, like if you see somebody who's part cyborg in a science fiction film and everything they look at, a little box appears with information mm. or in an augmented reality. Like, I've got all these layers of stuff people have said or associations with everything, you know, with everything at this point in my life and that's only going to get worse as I get older or maybe better as my memory starts to deteriorate yeah maybe there's a, maybe you're a peak at the moment maybe. It's just down yeah there, yeah um oh well I enjoyed all those mm. tremendously and yeah. it'd be great to have some of those kind of weird things that pop into your head I like that, that. oh you're right old Polly yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the comedian John Robbins um who does a radio show on Five Live, Ellis and John. Oh, yeah. He he talks about once reading an interview about Johnny Vaughan saying he gets his best ideas when he's having a shower. Mm-hmm. So then whenever John Robbins has a shower, he thinks of Johnny Vaughan in the shower having his best oh, ideas. Oh, wow. 
But it's almost like you get infected with that. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of baths, so it's not really a problem for it me. It is an infection. Yeah, That's it what is. it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a parasite. So maybe that that, that calippo now thing is is now like gone into the heads of loads of drifters and calipers. There's the two of them. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah, some more of those, please. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Right, Annabelle. Yeah. Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Here's something I wouldn't dream of doing. So the washing machine, you know, that little drawer for the detergent and the fabric condition. Yes. Never in a million years would I put the fabric conditioner in first. I would say always, every single wash in my life, of which there's been about one a week for the last 30 years, although not including the year I lived in Poland and had no washing machine and there was no laundrette and I had to wash all my stuff in the bath. Every single wash I've done, it's detergent, then fabric conditioner. And it has never occurred to me to do it in a different order. And then I put a wash on yesterday and I thought, shall I mix things up a bit? Spice up my life. Go fabric conditioner first. Did I do it? No, of course I did not. (laughs) Because there's an insane part of my brain that says something bad will happen if you change it now. (laughs) I sometimes had this thought and I wonder if I'm alone on this. I think I am. (laughs) But the way my life works is that there's one thing that's randomly assigned to me at birth. For example, the day I decide to put the fabric conditioner in first, and that is a thing that means it's my last day on earth. Okay. You don't ever have this. No, no. This reminds me of some of your stuff that if you travel to India, you will die, that you've said in the past. Yeah, that's, that's different, but... I don't know who I think is assigning these things. I mean, it, it, I, I've never, I've never thought it through. I've never thought it through how it works, how they know I've done it, and how they then end my life. <laughs> never thought it through at all. I think maybe my action triggers an alarm in the control room, and they then press <laughs> the end of life button. I know it's insane, but I don't want to risk it. I've also never used that third compartment of the drawer in the washing machine. Has anyone? Oh yeah. I think it says pre-wash, which I don't understand. Like it's not like I do a pre-teeth clean before the actual <laughs> teeth clean or a pre-hair comb before the main event hair comb. So I've never done that. But for some reason, I don't think if I did that, it would trigger my death. It's completely logical which things do and don't set off the alarm in this control centre. And I'm trying to think of another example of what I thought would trigger the alarm before. And it's usually really dull things that I do the same way. And then it suddenly occurs to me that I could do it differently. Like the dishwasher, I always unload the bottom drawer first never the top that would also risk death so you're not doing it for a practice with the dishwasher you know a lot of people have a system it's not because of your system you're doing it because you think you're tempting fate in some way by doing it i have an excellent system for loading it unloading mm. it is bottom drawer first uh-huh, then top drawer uh-huh. i don't see what practical difference it would mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. Yeah, do. I think you're right. I'm trying I think to you're think right. it through and no, i can't see any practical difference no. which one do you do first um it's all to do with where things then go in the kitchen Right. That's my system. Oh, you've got, you have got a, yeah, quite yeah. a complicated yeah, system yeah. by the sounds of it. <laughs> so I'm worried that I've been revealing too much now because I've never told anyone this. No, no, I'm, I, I don't think it's that. I bet, I bet like people will email in and say, oh, I have things like really? that as well. Yeah, I'm sure. And, like, I don't have this particular thing for once, mm. but it seems like I think I have it the other way where, where I would think, oh, maybe if I just do this different, then everything will be okay. Oh, the opposite. Maybe oh. like my life has just been on this track of doom, but yeah. which there's not that much empirical evidence to back that up, despite what I m- might feel like ninety percent of the time. Mm. But um, but I still think I'm just looking for the one thing that's going to fix everything. It's going to change it. Yeah. change everything. What I'm most worried about now is that what if the action that triggers my death alarm is actually me telling people about my insane thoughts that this exists. <laughs> I'm not going to shut up now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. 
Oh, can I just do a little advert? Mm, yeah, please. Sarah is on tour and she would love for you to go and see her. I would love for you to go and see her. I would too. Cause it, yeah, because it'll help my family finances mm. and uh, maybe Annabelle will get a nicer Christmas present. <laughs> I was is that thinking, why you say? No, I was thinking more that, you know, it'd bring you both happiness. And no, and also I was thinking the person who goes and sees it would get happiness oh, it'll bring too. Them, it un- undoubtedly yeah, it will bring them a lot of happiness. Um, trying to think where she will be when this podcast hits the racks, which is only tomorrow. So um, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, she'll be in Glasgow tonight, then Newcastle tomorrow, Aberdeen on Friday... York on Saturday, Manchester on Sunday. Then she's in London all of next week and quite possibly a bit of the week after uh, before as the month goes on, going on to Crawley, Leeds, Tiverton, Cambridge, Birmingham, Leicester, Nottingham, Selby, Swindon, Cardiff, Oxford, Guildford, Norwich, Corsham, Maidenhead, Bristol uh, and culminating in Brighton on the 14th of November. I love it. She's very good. Her show's a great night out. She is good. She is. I wouldn't. Uh, I'd feel too embarrassed to recommend her to drifters otherwise. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So um. So yeah, uh, Sarah Barron, and uh, she's doing. In a way, it's kind of like a greatest hits of her two Edinburgh shows. Oh, is it? It's okay. her first tour. Yeah, yeah. So she hasn't done that stuff around the country. Mm. Um, but the title is her second Edinburgh show, which is Enemies Closer, and. Uh, I think she's great reader. I married her and all that. Another thing she's doing at the moment is if you send her a WhatsApp message, I shouldn't really be telling you about this because in a way it's competition. What do you mean? So if you send Sarah a WhatsApp message just mm. saying hello, you don't need to get into it with her, she will then add you and send you a voice note of like two or three minutes every day. And does she add you to a group? So you're not in a group. So other pe- you're not in a group. Other people can't see your number. Uh. Um, so she's just sending it to you directly, but she is the same message that everybody gets. Oh. Maybe she like if you. I think sometimes if you reply to her, she'll send you one back, and she like backs and forths with people. But what? But what I mean by this is she's not going to add you into any group where people can see your details. Yeah, yeah. and she's not going to use your details for anything other than sending you message from her, messages from her. Mm. Um, so here is her number, if you want to add her. <laughs> I think because she's away so much, she's traveling around the country. She doesn't drive, so she's doing most of it on public transport. So she's got all these hours to fill, and I think she really likes it when people join her group. And some of the drifters have, have joined and have been great with her. Um, you know, I've recognised some names okay. as I've been peering over. Who's that texting you at this time of night? <laughs> but uh, you know, Paul Newbegin. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he sent her a spreadsheet with the best places to eat in every town. Oh, fabulous! I know. And I looked at it, and it's a good list as well. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, so her number, if you just send her a message saying, hello, like you don't, I know the drifter in you will think, oh, God, I don't want to interact with somebody. If you don't want to interact with her, just send her a hello. She'll send you the voice note. Nothing is expected. Think of it as a mini podcast every day, mm-hmm. letting you know what she's up to. Here's the number. It's 7 I want to join it. Is, it. is it weird if I join it? Will she find it weird if I join it? No, I think she'll send you a message just saying, you do know that this is a voice note that I'm sending out like a podcast. Yeah, any I know. Day. Yeah. I just want, I'd like it. Yeah, yeah I think you should join okay, it. Okay, I will do it then. I don't listen to them, not just because I'm not on WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. But I think I uh, my, my behaviour and various marital disputes are often can't wait <laughs> often a topic of conversation in much the same way that they're on this podcast but you're getting the other side yes of it. exactly yeah but i'll give you that number again it's uh, 07-398-627-659 and if you are in any of those places that i mentioned or you can get to them or you fancy uh, uh, a night out in one of those places then um she's on tour throughout this month and next month sarah baron Sarah with no H, Baron with two R's. Now, what else can I tell you about? Oh, on the subject of live entertainment, mm. I saw a poster for Monopoly Live. What, the game? Yes. Count me in. It says a brand new high octane <laughs> way to play the planet's favourite board game. No. I did think when I saw high octane, I thought, well, 
they haven't played it with Annabelle because it doesn't get much higher, more high octane than that. Exactly. Tipping the board over and so Flying on. in the air, yeah. Um, Communist. But I just... <laughs> but I just thought, is, isn't, like, Monopoly Live, is, isn't that just London, really? Buying property in London, isn't it? If you want, to, if you want the high-octane thrill of the game yeah. of Monopoly, mm. it's just becoming a property developer in London. Yeah, I suppose that's the Although that's I suppose the, 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 the cost, the... Uh, the, the the barrier to entry, the, the price point is perhaps a little prohibitive. And you don't normally turn four houses or five houses into a hotel. It's not generally how it works. It's happened. Just knock them through. How many times has it happened? Houses being knocked through and turns into hotels. Yeah, how, how many times has it happened? A rough guess. Many. <laughs> many? Have you been to Bayswater? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Like all those would have been houses at some point okay. and they have the little flea pit hotels. <laughs> okay. The builders who come down from the north. Okay, take it back. Take it all the way back. Huh. Wish I'd never said it. I haven't done any more Googling of this Monopoly Live, though, but I saw the poster and I thought, I wonder if you could go dressed as a thimble. You'd want to go as a thimble, not the okay. iron. I don't <laughs> The iron is a weird one as well, isn't it? I was thinking about the status symbols of like the yacht and the racing car. <laughs> There's an iron. The iron is the boot. The boot I sort of get. It's the iron that's the the so the boot is like if you're kind of on Skid Row, yes, old Kent, old Kent Road as was. Yeah, Yeah, the iron's a little confusing. Mm. The thimble I always assumed was like somebody was playing Monopoly with the family, and and one of the pieces was missing, so they just got something out of a box, Mm -hmm. out of the sewing box. Oh, it's a thimble. That that's about the right size. Yeah, yeah. And then it somehow graduated to being a piece in its own right. Do you know how it started off? How they became? I think it's an urban myth, but tell us. No, I'm not going to say it then. Is it about the charm bracelet? No, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say something different. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely wasn't going to say. You might be right. You might be right. I don't know. Um, Yeah, of course, yeah. Um. What else was to say? Okay, how are we doing for time? We're all right. Um, okay, right through some things. Quick dilemma. Went for a meeting with three other people the other day mm-hmm. in a restaurant, quite a nice restaurant. I got there first. They said, you're the first to arrive. Show me to the table. It was a nice banquette, sofa, bench, whatever you want to call it, and then two chairs the other side of the table. Which one do you take if oh, you're the first person there? God. Well, you want to be looking out, don't you, to, to greet them. You don't want to be sitting there with your back to them. Exactly, yeah. But then you look like you're greedy for sitting on the comfy yes, seat. Yes, yes. Terrible, But also, terrible. if you take one of the seats which isn't the comfy, you're kind of blocking the way in round yeah. to the bench for the other Yeah, okay. You know, no. It's very, very, very difficult. Yes, yeah, okay. Well, no no conclusive answer no. there. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I went to the British Museum. Oh, with Jean, uh, we went to an exhibition about Nero, the uh, the, the founder of the coffee shops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cafe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, about Emperor Nero, it's very interesting. Here's, here's a question for you. If you are... Um, if, if you're looking at stuff in a museum, and I guess it applies to an art gallery as well, but... Um, a museum specifically like if you're looking at say an amulet mm. or a goblet mm-hmm. a coin how long do you have to look at that object for what to show that you're interested yeah what's respecting what, yeah, it yeah honestly i couldn't care less like you can glance as far as i can that that's how i feel generally right mm. And I remember, I think I've said this before, reading something where Kurt Vonnegut said his, his daughter had said that she would happily go through an art gallery on roller skates. Going, <laughs> yes, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. So I do get that. What makes it complicated is what if somebody else is looking into the cabinet at the same time, so right next to you? I feel then it becomes a game of chicken because I don't want to be less respectful of the ancient object than the person next to me. But I worry that by staying there... I am forcing them into a similar thing and neither of us want to be staring at the amulet or whatever it is. You'll be there for hours yeah. feigning interest yeah, in yeah. an amulet. I think that's mm. usually what is happening if somebody is looking at an object in a case for more than three or four seconds. <laughs> three or four seconds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then me and Jean went to a restaurant afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a bit of a panic situation because he really likes a bowl of pasta He's because he's such an unusual child. Like they don't all just eat that all the time, anyway. But so he wanted a bowl of pasta. I'd googled the nearest 
place to the British Museum that was neither a tourist trap or an ordeal for me. Somewhere that was going to be nice enough for me. But mm. And then we got there and it no longer existed. Oh. Okay. So then he's having a meltdown and I'm just like trying to see the nearest place. I see what's quite obviously some kind of nearby tourist trap. We head in. It's raining. Mm. So that like just everything about it is unpleasant. Mm. There's loads of empty tables. It's about three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I say, how can you do a table for two, please? And she says, oh, I'm sorry, we're fully booked. And there's just like this slight air that says to me, oh, it's the end of the lunch shift. I can't be bothered. I don't want to be dealing with a kid. I'm going to say we're fully booked. And I look around at all the empty tables and I said, oh, really? They said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've got uh, a load of bookings coming in. So then we walk out into the rain and he's having a meltdown. So I go on opentable.com. No, you don't. Search the restaurant. They've got loads of available tables. No. I book one. No, you didn't. You didn't. And then you went back in again. I went back in. You didn't. So book one, it says, uh, would you prefer indoor or outdoor seating? I select indoor. When do you want it? And it's they've got a table <laughs> available now, so I select it. I go back in. So, Hi, just to, to let you know, um, I, I did just book a, a table on Open Table, so um, I, I wonder if you're mistaken about there not being any tables. <laughs> I like to see the colour drain out of her face. And she says, oh, no, that must just be outdoor tables. And obviously you don't want to say outdoors because it's pouring down with rain. I said, no, no, it actually gave me the option of indoor outdoor and I selected indoor. Look. Oh, I can't believe you did this. And then she like pretended to get into a flap about all these bookings. She's like, well, we will need the table back in uh, one and a half hours. Oh, please. In fact, I'm having a plate of pasta with a yes. kid. I think either of us want to be in the restaurant for one and a half hours. A long, hours. leisurely yeah. lunch with a yeah, child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that was unpleasant. That was, and and you sat down and ate. Yep. Wow. Very tense. The whole thing. A lot of saliva in your food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, quandary corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Who's the first one from Annabelle? It is from Alan. Alan, hello, Alan. Can you assist me with a recent problem of social awkwardness, which my wife and I have pondered at length and come to two very different conclusions? I should explain I'm not a drifter myself, but my wife, Grand Chancellor Sharon, is firmly on the drifter spectrum. As a result, I have followed your podcast with great interest. It's opened up a whole new world to me. The recent quandary happened to me, but when I explained what happened afterwards, Sharon and I came to wildly different solutions. Sharon's solution was not the route I took in practice and might well outdrift even Jeff and Annabelle's advice. So let's see. First, a bit of background. We live in a block of five houses and get on well with most of our neighbours. However, a few years ago, a new neighbour moved in, who I would describe as being in the firmly opinionated bullying OAP category. In Scotland, we call them a nippy sweetie. (laughs) The low point in the relationship with our neighbour came about four years ago when she threatened legal action over car parking arrangements. Sharon has never actually spoken to the neighbour since she's moved in. And although I always try to be polite when our paths occasionally cross, the neighbour all but blanks me and tends only to speak to me if there's a complaint to be made about us. So the quandary. Recently, I was in our local supermarket, which is just 300 yards along the road, purchasing a few basic foodstuffs. There are eight aisles in total in this quite small supermarket. And as there is only one entrance, people tend to follow the same route around the supermarket. Down aisle one, up aisle two and so on. This occasion was different. I enter the supermarket and proceed down aisle one, then up aisle two, as would normally be the case. However, as I walked up aisle two, who do I see coming down aisle two with another elderly friend but our unpleasant neighbour? They must have skipped going down aisle one and moved straight down aisle two. (sighs) We gave each other the most cursory hellos, then moved past each other and quickly on. I could tell straight away she was not happy to see me and could only imagine what she was saying to her friend as I went past. Then as I moved down aisle three... Our neighbour and her friend were moving up that aisle, so again our paths crossed. This time, she did not even respond to my slight smile and brief hello. And it happened again on aisle four. As I walked up that aisle, they came down it and our paths again crossed. (sighs) This is a nightmare. At this point, I could only foresee the same awkward interaction happening another four times as we both crisscrossed the aisles, meeting about the same distance along each aisle every time. 
And at this point, my inner stubbornness kicked in and I decided to continue on regardless, <laughs> knowing we had four more of these crisscross meetings in the aisles to go. I should say the anticipation of each subsequent meeting became ever more painful, even to me as a non-drifter. However, I was determined not to back down and continued to offer a weak smile and a gentle hello the subsequent four times the whole paths crossed and still, and still no response from our neighbour. <laughs> to make matters worse, only two tills were open, so we ended up paying for our groceries at adjoining tills and walked... <laughs> and walked the 300 yards back to our respective homes at the same time. In lockstep. Oh, only some 10 feet apart all the way back. When I told my wife what had happened, her solution was that I should have dropped the shopping basket when I first saw the neighbour, left the supermarket for about half an hour and only returned at a time when I could be sure the neighbour had left and to then continue with the shopping. What would you have done in these circumstances? I mean, that is extreme. I really like this. I do sort of quite enjoy it. I think it's it's evident in that story I just told about the restaurant. Yes. I do quite like making terrible people suffer a bit yes. if the confrontation is passive aggressive. Yes. So I do respect it. I think, though, what I really would have done is gone to the other end of the supermarket and worked my way backwards, ensuring a, a maximum of, maximum of only one other... Yeah, I wouldn't have left. Cross. I wouldn't have left, but I would have found a way to avoid them somehow, even if it meant lingering like horrendously long time on one particular aisle until they'd left. Because you can't fact... look at your phone, can you? Because you're looking mm. around at the stuff. You can't just have your head in your phone, which is often I'd, a good get out. I'd be examining very closely and very deeply <laughs> a lot of labels. But the fact that she was she ignored him every time is is extraordinary and the fact that he continued to say hello i would have given up saying hello after the first ignoring because it really does rub people's like if somebody really hates you it mm. really rubs their face in it mm. if you're cheery to them. true yes there's some satisfaction mm. there isn't there mm. so would you would you have done the same then i, I wouldn't but i might do in the future i feel yeah. inspired yes by that story. so do i yeah. so yeah. do i we need to be more like alan don't yes. we so be more now. alan yes exactly um, and this is from Jen. I have a quandary for you that popped into my head after a quandary that was discussed a few weeks ago regarding what sort of offering to bring to someone's house. The following situations happened to me in the past and I never know what to do, so would appreciate some help in the matter. What do you do when you're hosting guests at your house for dinner and they bring a bottle of something, but you've already bought a much nicer version that you were wanting to share? Is it rude to <sighs> say thank you so much to their kind gesture, then stow it away so that you can present guests with a drink that you've previously bought and are looking forward to serving? Or is it the rule that you have to drink or eat whatever they've brought, even if it's not quite as good? This doesn't have to apply just to alcohol. The same question can be asked of desserts, snacks, non-alcoholic drinks, etc. Any help would be appreciated so I can continue to attempt to get through life as a normal human being. I'm also aware this story makes me sound like some sort of regular dinner party extraordinaire, <laughs> but I genuinely can't remember the last time I had anyone around for food or drinks. But it's always nice to be prepared for all situations. Yes, this is a vexing issue. I mentioned, I think, when this came up about taking things, I mentioned mm. that I like to take cheese. Mm. And I've had it now where I have spent time in a good cheesemonger picking out a really nice selection to take somebody's house. Mm. And then... They haven't put that out, but they've put what wow. you know, really looks like a bunch of dairy and craft cheese slices out. And and what do you think was going on there? Do you think that they thought theirs was better than yours or do you think they were saving yours just for themselves? Or do they think they just didn't think it was the etiquette to I use think, it? I don't, I don't know. I don't it's know. one of those three, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has happened to me before, a long time ago when I was a lot younger, when I took a bottle of wine around to someone's house for dinner and it was a very cheap bottle of wine and <laughs> they served me the cheap bottle of wine I bought and they had one for themselves like a nice one what yes they were set like they gave me my is it one. anyone I know no no this was years ago years ago. I don't even well, know like you anymore. know I've known you a long time no, you no. say that like we've just known each other uh, a short amount of time I was like 21 or something as opposed lot. to like 24 when I first knew yeah, you yeah true like. yeah no I, I, I didn't I don't know these people anymore Wow. Mm -hmm. Were they terrible people? I mean, it, kind yes. of. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's, um, 
That's really fascinating. Mm, mm, mm. So I haven't answered the question though, have I? No. So what was the question? <laughs> I think it's in a way it's worse if you take, and I say this as somebody who's not bothered about wine for obviously all the time been sober, and then when I wasn't sober, I probably wasn't worrying that much about the quality of the bottle of wine that mm, I had. Mm. Um, but I, I, I have had it where uh, I have bought a nice bottle of wine as a gift for people and then I've seen them serve something else and I thought, why, why are you serving the one I, I bought? Because um, the trouble is there's a sort of, there's an inherent snobbery to this, isn't there? Mm, mm, mm. So it's, it's who, who is the, who is the uh, wine connoisseur? Who is the som? Is it the person, is it the bringer or mm, the host? Mm. This is hard to answer. I think with desserts, I think you're not bringing dessert unless you've offered to, are you? And if you bring a dessert and they suddenly say, I'm just popping to the shop to get another one, that's that would be terrible. That's a definite no-no. Mm. I think that's that's quite simple. Yeah. It's the wine one that is tricky. I think it does have to be served at some point. I'm trying to think like, so if I, if I was a wine connoisseur mm. and somebody like bought, in essence, like a bottle of vinegar or something to my house, mm. I would look at it and say, oh, magnificent. Thank you so much. I'm going to lay this down in the cellar or something <laughs> like this. Or, oh, I am mm. um, I know just the occasion. I know just the occasion for this. Uh, that's so kind of you. Thank you so very much. Descaling the taps. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, so, or like, oh, Sarah's got a birthday coming up. Um, I'm going to serve her that. Or I've got, you know, such and such coming Round for Is anyone falling for that? Because if you bought someone a cheap bottle of wine, you know you've bought a cheap bottle of wine, don't you? Could I you drop it? It's a bit too dramatic. I mean, if it, it if it really is like vinegar, you could you could drop it. <gasps> could you decant a better wine into the bottle? That's quite elaborate as well. It's not. It's not unreasonable. Yeah, cause I suppose you're not like kind of checking the label and sniffing the cork at somebody's house, are you? You go into the bathroom, pour away the cheap wine, and then fill it with the wine you want. That's all right. But, but I think in essence what we're saying is you do have to serve it probably. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you do. I think there's a way of accepting it as a gift. Okay. And acting like it was a gift that won't be used now. Okay. Yeah. But the trouble is, is if you get into com- some kind of standoff about who knows more about wine. Mm. So if you are if you know that you've kind of bought this horrible cheapo bottle from the petrol station... You, you you would understand why they were going to serve the better stuff. You wouldn't feel slighted, right? Yeah. However, if you bought what you felt was a really good bottle of wine to impress them or as a nice gesture, mm. and then either they didn't know anything about it mm. and, and uh, they couldn't tell the difference between that and the petrol station stuff, or worse still, you felt that they thought they knew best and their wine was better than your wine, mm, mm. then it gets into this standoff thing. Do, if you bring chocolates, are you expecting them to be served? Yes. Me too. Okay. That's yeah. clear cut. Yeah, but sometimes people don't do that. I know, do it they? really annoys me. I feel like, yeah, those chocolates I bought, I want some. Do you know what there needs to be for some of this stuff? Mm. Remember the old public service information adverts about not flying a kite yeah. too close to electricity lines yeah. or not dropping a toy on some escalators? Mm. There need to be those kinds of films but for bits of social etiquette. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's contact the government. Yep, all sorted. And that was our podcast. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you for your quandaries. We would like more, please. We'd also like your stories of social ineptitude, uh, the stuff that is stuck inside of your head as you move through life, that's uh, layer upon layer on top of the bedrock uh, of associations. That was something that came up on this week's podcast that we'd like more of, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Same email address, of course, for podications. We'll get on to this week's in a second. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett took the photos. 
And I'll finish by reminding you that for tonight's starter, we have Gestapo Soup. Right, this comes from Maya to rhyme with fire, Bosley, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I love the name Bosley. Do you want to know why? Yes. One, association with Tom Bosley, the dad from Happy Days. Okay. Two, there was um, a village not far from Macclesfield called Bosley, and there's a hill there called Bosley Cloud where I used to walk my dog when I was a teenager. I love that name. Mm, Bosley Cloud. Beautiful. Maya says, I'm writing to request a podication, please, for the 6th or the 13th of October for myself and Lois Lane. As I am writing this, I have just found out that I've been scheduled for surgery on Friday, the 8th of October. The procedure is fairly routine, but the thought of going into hospital for something significant on my own is quite nerve wracking. Well, of course it is, Maya. I've consequently decided to stockpile as many of my favourite podcasts as possible to listen to in preparation and recovery. As soon as I told Lois about this, she immediately offered practical help and care packages, which reflects very accurately on the matter-of-fact kindness uh, with which she approaches life. Lois introduced me to this podcast back in 2019. That was was a good year, I think. Mm -hmm. I think so. Before the uh, before the pandemic. Oh yeah, that's what makes it good. I don't know if I thought it was good at the time, but like no. now, looking back on it, you really appreciate it, don't you? And um, and fittingly, we are planning to come to see Sarah's tour together at Soho Theatre in October. Ah, that's even without hearing my little advert there. I desperately hope that I will be sufficiently recovered to go to the gig and enjoy our evening with the long-winded earnestness that it deserves. If Sarah sees me trying not to laugh, it's only because the stitches hurt too much. I might tell her that the next time she comes back depressed from uh, seeing somebody in the audience who doesn't seem to be enjoying themselves. Say, what if they were internalising because they were recovering from surgery? We'll say I know for a fact they had stitches. Yeah. Didn't want to burst yeah. them. So this podication is for me and Lois. For me, I hope hearing this encouragement from your past self will take the edge off the pain or at least be distractingly embarrassing. Let's hope so. I think it'll be the latter. Mm. And for Lois, thank you for being such a kind friend, always open to my ramblings and willing to help at any opportunity, whether that's explaining obscure planning law or lending a bike light. Crossing my fingers that I see you soon, partly to return the bike light. Love from Maya to rhyme with fire. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Me too. Little tale of friendship. Had uh, had my wife in it, which I enjoy, broadly speaking. Um, yeah, well, Lois sounds great. Maya, I think we know, is great. Mm-hmm. I hope the surgery all goes well. I'm sure it will. I hope you've got lots of good podcasts to get you through this. Anything you can recommend at the moment, Annabelle? Oh, what am I listening to? Uh, the, the Diary of the CEO, I'm very into that. Um, they, he interviews people who are big in the business world and also other interesting people who've been successful. Do you think many drifters would enjoy The Diary nope. of a CEO? Okay. I don't know, maybe. I like it. This is Annabelle's secret entrepreneurial side, you I see. Re- I re- I'm really enjoying it and okay. I can't okay. quite put my finger on why, but that's that's the one I listen to obsessively at the moment so i can't recommend anything else all right well there we go that is the uh the uh the latest podcast dedicated to maya and lois if you'd like a podcast email us hello at adriftpodcast.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 